مادر بتها بت نفس شماست زان که آن بت مار و این بت اجده هاست آهن و سنگ است نفس و بت شرار آن شرار از آب میگیرد قرار بت شکستن سهل باشد نیک سهل سهل دیدن نفس را جهل است جهل یک قدم زد آدمان در زوغ نفس شد فراغ صدر جنت توق نفس The mother of all idols is your ego The idol is a snake, your ego, dragon Easy it is to break the idol, easy Ignorance it is to see the ego, easy, ignorance Adam took one step to please the ego. The ego suffered the separation from heaven. Once your ego dies within, the moon and the sun follow your orders. You set your own moon and stars. You set your own destiny. That was Rumi's poem on ego read by my guest Mahmoud Vahidian Ghafari. This is the South and West Asia on North Africa, the Sawana Region Radio on KPFK, and Amankine Agassian. Mahmoud Vahidian Ghafari is a disciple of Rumi who translates and interprets the works of Jalaluddin Muhammad Balkhi, otherwise known affectionately as Molana or Rumi. Mahmoud is the host of a monthly event called Rumi Nights. Mahmoud, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for having me again. I want to talk to you about your translation. You translate your own pieces. But before we do that, I thought we should maybe look at the word nafs, which we hear in what you read and what you will be reading. What does nafs mean in Farsi? Uh, what did it mean 800 years ago? And why do you translate it as ego now? Well, I translate it as ego because I don't find any better words. Or maybe I have to create one. I would say... What fascinates me with Rumi is he was happy. When I read his poems, this happiness actually transfers. It makes me drunk. I want to drink that wine every day, at least for a few hours, so I can get by the life that I have. And he tells us, he tells me that The way to achieve such happiness is by killing the ego. So the ego may be the closest one uh, that we can translate is the devil on your shoulder. But this ego is not outside of you. It cannot sit on your shoulder. It's right in your heart. So I would say this entire idea that comes from Sufism, especially Rumi, is how to fight this internal war with the ego because ego is very deceptive changes faces and figures and as a very creative creature how to go to this battle well equipped fight it win it and achieve happiness because that's what i want when i see rumi i think he was one of the happiest men on earth ever lived and how is that happiness connected with the nafs i mean is the nafs um well i know in arabic it means the self yes is that the same word as in farsi 
And how about during Rumi's time? Did it have the same meaning? Well, uh, nafs is a very significant word. It means I, it means self in Arabic. And well, the Persians, Iranians are also Muslim. And there is this uh, famous saying from the Prophet of Islam that says, Man arafa nafsa faqat araba rapa. This is in Arabic. It says, Whoever knows the self shall know the God, will know the God. So this is the core. Uh, and there is word arafa there, where erfan comes from, knowing. Uh, Sufism means erfan in Farsi and also, I think, in Arabic. But... This whole concept comes from this, that you go deal with the self, with the nafs. So you shall find God. And when you are one with God, you're happy. You're in this ecstasy state. You're drunk. So by translating nafs into ego, are you saying the self is the same as the ego? Or is there a difference in, in understanding of the kind of self that is the ego. Yeah, if I say, um, oh, go fight yourself, then people think I mean, go oppress yourself, you know. Mm. When, when the problem with the ego is it's been widely used in religious text, so it has its own meaning there. Then we have it widely used in psychology. Yes, it has its Freudian. own meaning there. <laughs> its own Freudian meaning. <laughs> yes, and then, so it has all these clouds around it. At the same time, even love is the same. Like, mm. I'm loving it. And you think about what? You know, you can love it and that it could be, you know, burger. But in Farsi, when you say ishq, which means love, it doesn't even come to your throat. It has this heavy energy, this weight on your soul. If you want to say, I love you, to somebody like an Oshiratan in like daily language, you don't hear it. You would hear, I like you, which is easier to say. It doesn't have that heavy burden on you. When you say, it's very heavy, it's very difficult to use because it has this incredible way of, of thousands of years, thousands of years of poetry behind it. So we don't use the word. But in English, you use it everywhere. So, yes, it is difficult to translate because every word has a soul. The soul of this word love doesn't exist that much anymore in English because the way we use it. It existed possibly when you translate God is love. That's powerful. But in everyday language, in English, people say that to any insignificant thing. In Farsi, even in today language, you cannot do that. And nafs is the same. It has this incredible energy with it when you say it in Farsi. always comes with a negative energy. always comes with this enemy in you, understandably, because of the culture behind. But in English, when you say ego, it comes with, oh, you mean I should fight myself and oppress myself? No, Rumi means with fighting your ego to liberate yourself, 
to free yourself from pain, not to oppress yourself and delve into pain even more. Well, you know, language is malleable, it's adaptable, it changes over time. Do you find that even though it is your original language that you sometimes have to go back, and because this was written, what, about 800 years ago, that you have to go back and see how it was used back then. I mean, we just heard a great explanation of uh, the word nafs. I'm just wondering about your uh, process of translation, uh, since you, you are a translator yourself. Well, I don't call myself a translator yet. What do you call yourself? Oh. You know, I love Rumi. Rumi is my friend. Rumi <laughs> is, you know, is my wine. Is uh, Rumi is someone that I spend time with every day. Is my yar in Farsi, my helper, beloved. So, and I just want to say we're going to hear a poem about the yar at the end of the show. No, Stay tuned for that. Oh, oh, we're not? I thought no, we are. No, <laughs> I brought something else. But I, I, I can have that too. Yeah. Can you say something about the yar? Yeah, I do. I, I can say can something read? about yar. Okay. Yar means beloved. Yar means your friend. Yar is one of these special words that uh, we use instead of beloved in Farsi, instead of mashuk, instead of dust. However, it has a root. We have a verb which is yari, which means helping. So this yar needs to help you. You love the yar, yar loves you, but it has also this quality of caring and helping. And Rumi tells us, you need to look for the yar. Yar is the path. You need to find the yar. Looking for the yar will lead you to the path. So the beloved will lead you to the path? just searching for the beloved. This is like, Rumi for me is opening possibilities. Like my, my mind is blocked in many ways. I have my own ideas of what is right, what is wrong. And I was thinking one day, why don't I have anyone to help me? I'm doing something good. I'm following some great things, you know. And, and then I came to this a word of Rumi that says, یار شو تا یار بینی بی عدد زن که بی یاران بمانی بی مدد He says and I heard the poem many times but this time it clicked it says you become a yar yourself you cultivate the quality of a friend so everyone want to have you as a friend you know so you will see infinite number of friends because this is the ultimate desires we have. We want to have good friends. And Rumi tells me, become, cultivate that quality of friend, of a perfect friend. Instead of looking for it outside, become that, and you see infinite number of them. And then he says, remember, without a yar, you will be helpless. You cannot go that far. So the beloved you are searching is actually you. In a way, it, I mean, there's the beloved that, like Rumi had, for instance, Shams. Maybe you can also say a few words about who he was, but it's also you. Yes, it eventually is you. You know, the problem with reading Rumi is 
we can make it simple. It's not simple. So yes, you go fall in love like Rumi fell in love with Shams and yeah, took so. his directions. Shams was his special, uh, was his, his homeless man who was going town to town looking for a guru to take as a student. So he would go, he had this special truth in him. And it was about love, that we know. And when they met, Shams and Rumi, when they met, Rumi's life transformed. Shams gave his life for that. And eventually he was killed because he disappeared. And most people think that some jealous people that loved Rumi killed him. But the whole point of this friendship was that Rumi turned from a scholar to a poet, to a true Sufi, to a true guru, to a happy man. Without this friendship, without this yar, there will be no way for him to arrive at that point. So that's what we need. Yes, we need someone outside of us who is spiritually amazing, who can take us through the past because we love the companionship. We go for it. You know, when you're in love, you run, you fly, and you want to go see your beloved, even if that's a romantic love. You drive crazy. You want to get there on time. But, and Rumi says, uses the same metaphor. He says, when you want to go meet God, how do you go? With all that joy, even much more. And then, yes, eventually, Rumi finds Shams after years of separation within himself. So that doesn't come first, that comes last. And that's the place you arrive at union, oneness mm. with yourself, with your beloved. That is a true place of happiness. Would you like to read again, please? Continue reading from the, the poem on ego and uh, translate and also interpret it. His ego is well cared for in the house of his body. His anger and hatred is directed at others. Just like Pharaoh beheading the children of others as he left Moses safe at his own home. The blind-hearted Pharaoh could not see his real enemy in the house. You are the same. You're bad to others and good to your greatest enemy within, ego. You feed your enemy sugar. Then you blame everyone else for your shortcomings. Your ego is that bad virtue mother. Her filthiness has spread it to every neighborhood. Kill her instantly, otherwise you kill one of your loved ones in every instant. This happy world is tight and miserable to you. You fight the truth. You're at war with people. Kill your ego and no one is your enemy in the whole city. Whatever sorrow comes to you, because of pain, do not blame others 
look inward. This bloodthirsty wolf is responsible for your pain. That's why, Derish, I keep telling you, keep the wolf in the cage. Never leave the cage door unlocked. And this wolf is the ego. Thank you for that. Would you like to interpret that? Well, what I really liked here is this, this happy word is tight and miserable to you. So in all these verses, he keeps saying that if you have sorrow, if you feel miserable, because the word, the reality of the word is beautiful and happy. He says, if you can see the reality, if you can go beyond the ego, everything is happiness. But for you, it's tight and miserable. And when you feel that way, you know there is this ego inside you that with its desires, wantings, makes you miserable. And then another thing is, he, he says, when you blame others, instead of looking inward, like Pharaoh, he was raising his enemy inside and killing the children of others because he had this dream. He says, it's an interesting metaphor because obviously Moses was a good person. He was not an ego. But Rumi says, when you have the ego, like Pharaoh, you do not see that your enemy is inside you. Mm. It blinds you from seeing it. It clutters your heart. It's, it makes your judgments wrong. You fall in love with the wrong person because you have this clouded vision. You cannot see clear because you see in the other person what your ego wanted. You find a friend and then later you blame them for doing wrong to you instead of thinking, how come I picked a friend like that? What was the common denominator between us? And that is your ego. And if you can deal with it, you don't go in that circle of making the same mistake over and over in picking a companionship. Otherwise, you move on and you get hurt again. You pick another person and you do the same mistake. They come in similar qualities. In order to change and come out of this circle, we have to deal with the ego. We have to kill it instantly. Is that what he says is to kill it or to just temper it? It's always something with you that you constantly have to deal with or what, what does Rumi teach us? Well... Um, if you can kill, kill. <laughs> but Rumi says, of course you cannot. I mean, it, some like Moses could. So for Rumi, Rumi has two stories. I tell them very shortly. Uh, one is the story of uh, somebody kills his mother. Very angry, he kills his mother. And someone else comes and says, how come you killed your mother? She cared for you, she fed you, she raised you, she had all these rights on you. And he says, because my mother was doing something beyond her dignity. Mm. And 
the other guy says, so how come you didn't kill the other guy? And he says, so should I kill a man a day? I have to kill the whole city. I killed the mother, so I don't have to kill anyone. And then Rumi says, there he says, that's, this ego is your mother. If you don't kill it, you have to go around and you go kill everyone every day. All your loved ones, you hurt them. His ego is just like that mother in the story. So that's one explanation he has then the man kills and then he says no it's not possible all the time there's another story that a snake catcher goes to the mountain and he finds a dragon a huge dragon dead so he says oh my god I found a treasure so he carries the uh, the dragon from this frozen mountain to Baghdad telling everybody oh everyone come and wraps the dragon very well and he says come everybody check it out see what I brought see what I killed and then people flood in in hundreds of thousands it's like resurrection day they come to see and before he uncover Rumi says the hot sun of Baghdad started to melt this frozen dragon and the frozen dragon was alive so the dragon started to move and all these like heavy bandages on him he broke them very easy and people started to, to go crazy scared run on each other many were killed and he ate many the same snack catcher was frozen dead from fear and then Rumi says this is your ego live it in the cold mountain don't bring it to the playground don't think that you can bring that giant in Baghdad and let it let the Sun heat it up and it's not gonna hurt anybody it's gonna kill the city so yes, and then another place he says, if you consult your ego, مشورت با نفس خودگر می کنی هر چه گوید کن خلاف آن دنی. So he says, yes, you can even deceive the ego this way. If you consult with your ego, okay, ego, what do you want? What can we do for you? Do you know. So if you want to kill it, you have to be a real man. Like a Moses. But sometimes you cannot, and most times you cannot. So you can actually pay attention to the ego. Say, hey, ego, what do you want? What can I provide for you? And Rumi says, do the opposite of what the ego says. Mm. If you consult the ego. So there's few formulas. In the few minutes you have left, can you talk about your concerns as an interpreter and translator of Rumi to an American audience. We have an event called Rumi Night, and uh, there are a few friends, we get together, and yes, obviously, I'm the main speaker. And uh, it's difficult, the, quest, the question you ask. It, ha it happens in 
a Flame International Cultural Center in West Los Angeles once a month, usually a Saturday or Sunday. And I have, we have people come from different backgrounds, some Persian-American, second generation, some Persians that they speak very little English, and, and many from uh, non-Persian background. And, you know, when you sit there, I can feel like how people feel from what I say. Like people from different backgrounds have different understandings. And I come from my own limited background, being born and raised in Iran, and I'm here only for 10 years. So every time it's a trial. Like I translate something and I see how people react because it has to strike their heart. And sometimes it doesn't go well. So I try to change next time. I look for ways of communicating better. And it's not easy. No, it's a beautiful challenge. It must be. Thank you. Please go ahead and read the last poem. Arifan ra sham o shahid nist az birun khish. Khun anguri nakhorde badishan ham khun khish. هر کسی اندر جهان مجنون لیلایی شدند عارفان لیلای خیش و دم به دم مجنون خیش ساعتی میزان آنی ساعتی موزون این بعد از این میزان خود شو تا شوی موزون خیش The Sufis have no beloved nor a lighting candle outside of themselves they don't drink the blood of the grape. Their blood is made of wine. Everyone on this earth fell in love with a Juliet. The Sufis have a Juliet within and madly in expanding love with themselves. You're judging others for an hour and completing another for some time. From now on, judge yourself, so you complete yourself. Well, Mahmoud Vahidjan Ghaffari, thank you. Thank you for having me again. Thank you for coming back and uh, sharing with us your translations. Thank you. Mahmoud Vahidjan Ghaffari is a disciple of Rumi who translates and interprets the works of Jalaluddin Muhammad Balkhi, otherwise known affectionately as Molana or Rumi. That is it for today's show. A special thanks to my guest Mahmoud Vahidyan Ghafari and producer Katya Agassi. Please support us by becoming a member of KPFK's community. On behalf of Swana Region Radio, I am Ankine Agassian. Mm-hmm.